The Start On Demand. On demand. province unveils its plan for phase two of reopening in Manitoba, and that plan includes sports for adults and kids. What challenges will be presented by that? We speak to Sport Manitoba. The protests are growing in Minneapolis after the death of George Floyd in police custody. We'll speak with WCCO's Corey Heppola of News Talk 830. A swanky $3.5 million condo in Winnipeg once belonging to Izzy Asper, has gone up for sale on Wellington Crescent. What's your dream home look like? And we'll head to the farm in Rosenort, where Adam Big Hill pulled 32,000 pounds. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, May 28th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have lots of important stuff to discuss this morning, but uh, I need to say thanks for the reminder for our friends at Global News Morning, uh, because I see that on their lineup, Loren, they have something for National Hamburger Day. That's today. Oh, yes. I thought you were going to remind people that we miss National Ginger Day and you were feeling <laughs> bad about that. But this is better. I'll take this. Is there a nas- I love a good hamburger. <laughs> National Ginger Day? Uh, yeah. That's a thing? I think it was Monday. Oh, my God. Uh, let me double check. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm, um, a day of the ginge. Well, National, National Redhead Day. November 5th. Yeah. No, there was something recently. Anyway, I'm, I don't mean to take away from hamburgers. There's also National Kick a Ginger Day. We won't get into that. Um, it's a good thing you're not here. But, <laughs> I guess I'd have to let it happen, right? It says so on the calendar. There's also Kiss yeah, a Ginger Day. Yeah, is there day. anything? Well, no. Let's not, you know, take it easy, okay? Let's just start with the hamburgers, Brett. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I love a good hamburger. Uh, we, we're going to talk a lot uh, throughout the day, I think, about phase two of reopening and how excited restaurants are and all the rest for um, getting back to a little bit of normalcy. But I but I was cruising around Winnipeg yesterday and almost stopped at a couple different burger joints. It's just I couldn't convince my kids to get excited about it the same way. Really? Kids not excited about burgers? Greg, have you ever heard of this madness? This seems uh, unreasonable to me. Well, how are you raising these children? Uh, <laughs> what's going they just, on in they your love house, Loren? Pizza. Well, what happened is that oh, we started okay. talking about we're going to go pick up a pizza somewhere, and mm. then I then we I passed like a fat burger and a new burger, and also I was like, "What do you guys think about sitting outside with the burger?" You said pizza. I was like, "Great, but yeah, we can you switch up to the burger." Pizza but you already said pizza, so it was too late. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's fair. Yep. That's fair. Pizza, I think, uh, is king. Uh, for kids, it, it certainly was for me. I loved burgers, but uh, pizza was always there. But yeah, Burger Day. Uh, you know, I, I, Greg, you and I recently discovered the North Star Drive-In at last in uh, yes. the North End. And uh, mm-hmm. speaking of burgers in the North End, it's, I've been thinking in the last couple of weeks I need to make the make the visit at, and the annual visit out to my friend Mike over at the White Top Drive-In, which is, uh, for my money, the best no-nonsense burger in Winnipeg. It actually was ranked and voted the top burger in Winnipeg. And uh, he says it's been just insane in uh, the last couple of months. People have been stopping by nonstop. So, yeah, I'm now super hungry for burgers. So you can text us on burgers if you like, if you're your favorite burger place, your favorite burger ingredient. Greg, you like the blue cheese, yes? I enjoyed the blue cheese. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, you have to be in the right mood for the blue cheese. You know, I love to dip my wings in the blue cheese. And uh, that's really uh, the sweet spot for blue treat cheese dressing for me. Uh, the actual blue cheese on a steak is also really, really good. I think I had that at Ruth's Chris one time in the States. And uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to like it. Mm. Very, very good. So uh, blue cheese on the burger, not every single time. It's a nice change if, you, if you're feeling a, a little fancy, shall we say. Tr- 
Patricia says the wild turkey is in Charleswood on Chalfont Road. Bob Irving better watch out on his morning walks, Tricia says. Uh, thanks for sending us that pic. Oh, and by the way, Loren mentioned Ginger Day earlier. Uh, what did it turn out to be, Loren? May 26th was apparently World, World Ginger Day. The world was recognizing the contributions of 2% of society, <laughs> yeah, which think... is what the redheads contribute. <laughs> okay. Sorry we missed that, Loren. We'll make it up to you, you next sh- year. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> she doesn't believe us. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So listen, this headline, uh, our top story right now at CJOB.com by a mile, the headline is $3.5 million Winnipeg condo once belonging to Izzy Asper goes up for sale. This is located at 1 Wellington Crescent. So if you're traveling westbound on River Avenue in Osborne Village, it's a one-way street. Once it hits the bend, that's where it becomes Wellington Crescent. And the the tall white building, like a, a spire of ivory, that's one Wellington Crescent. And the penthouse suite is insanely huge. It has a grand staircase. Uh, it's just, I can't believe the luxury in this place. And it's up for grabs for $3.5 million. And you can see it at cjob.com. 8,000 square feet penthouse. Holy smokes. So that got me curious, got us curious. What's your dream home? What would your dream home look like? So, uh, Mackling, why don't we start with you? Well, you know, the in-ground pool has been uh, something that we've been talking about for years and years, and I finally won the battle, and then we looked around and we realized, oh, God, our kids are 14. They're almost out of here. So uh, the in-ground pool battle is uh, probably over. But if money was no object, in-ground pool would be on the list. And then a basketball court, an area that was sort of fenced off, that would be fenced off for basketball slash ball hockey court in the summer. And then something you, you could flood in the winter for an ice hockey rink. Nice. And have an outdoor rink. Uh, I've always liked the idea of what they call a Jack and Jill bathroom for the boys. They don't. They don't deserve their own ensuite, but maybe one that's connected to both the rooms. With I think it was the Bradys that had a bathroom like that, with a door to the girls' room and the bo- door to the boys' room. And Dan Tana from the show Vegas back in the '70s. For those that remember that show, he had a '57 Thunderbird, and he could drive his car right into his house. <laughs> so I've always wanted to have a situation where I could drive my MGB right into my rec room and put it behind glass, almost like living art. Ooh, so there's my dream. That is neat. Kelly Moore, what about you? Wow, Mac, like you've done some real thinking about this. <laughs> oh, yes. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I would probably not be quite as... Uh, uh, detailed as Greg but you know I my wife and I do watch a lot of those home shows and that sort of thing and we you know whenever you have the big kitchen with the huge island and lots of seating and a big open concept uh, with lots of windows and uh, certainly uh, uh, you know a huge master bedroom with an ensuite that has a hot tub and mm-hmm. uh, yeah you know and, and it's uh, outdoor entertaining area that has all the amenities and someone to clean it all. Ah, cleaning staff. There it is. Jeff Braun, what about you? Is he there? Jeff, are you there? I guess not. Jeff Braun uh, has been having issues connecting uh, remotely. I would just want a place that has a dishwasher that works. (laughs) Yeah, and a a couch. (laughs) As long as it has tap water, tepid tap water, I'm good. (laughs) Jeff Forte, what about you? Indoor pool. I want an indoor pool, like a place that has columns, indoor pool with a big TV so I can sit in my pool and, you know, sit in a tube and just chill out and watch some TV. Very nice, simple, but elegant. Loren McNabb? I think it's clear water is a key part of this for many of us. I'd like to be on the water. I don't know if I it has to be ocean or lake, but just a house where you're looking out on the water, an outdoor pool. But I'd love, if money was no object, one of those infinity pools, you know, where it look, makes you feel like you're in the lake or feel like you're in the ocean. And then I've always really wanted, I don't need a bigger house. It's not about the size of the house. I just want windows like from side to side floor to ceiling just as many windows as possible let all the light in and i've always loved those old school like 70s style bungalows where kind of like um every there's a hallway on the front that faces the windows i don't i can't even explain this and every room almost has like its own huge picture window like you access all the rooms through this one really long hallway and so everyone would be able to step out and just have this giant window out front of their their room i just want more light more water 
More light, more water. Very good. I, I used to right. think about this too. Like I used to have, uh, I, I, I pictured uh, like owning a castle with a something with a moat. Oh, I yes. Want, I always wanted a, <laughs> a, a moat. moat. You need an alligator, alligator in the moat too. <laughs> but uh, as time has gone on, I, you know, like I'm by myself, even if, if I got like a huge place, then that would just be more stuff to clean. Uh, I mean, I guess Kelly pointed out if, if we're if in this particular scenario, money is no object. So of course we could afford a cleaning staff, but even what would I do with all of that extra space? So ideally I would just like to have a home that has space to set up a virtual golf simulator uh, that I can play golf anytime I want. And uh, that's about it. The indoor pool would be nice as long as there's someone who could uh, maintain it. But Mackling, I'm glad you brought up the basketball court because I used to dream about that too, about having a, a property that was big enough to have a basketball court, even an indoor court. Like maybe a don't mm. like a like a, a retractable roof kind of situation for now the basketball talking. court. Yeah. Hit, so hit man, yes. you've got a house off the ninth fairway, man. You've got a house <laughs> off the ninth fairway. That's where you're gonna be at. Then you can start your round at the first or the tenth tee and barely out the walk. That's actually pretty smart, Kelly. I don't know why I haven't thought of that. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start. Text message at 204-780-6868 from one of our most loyal listeners, Eve, on the subject of what his dream home would look like. And he's thought this out, too, just like Greg. He says, my dream home is a two-story, five-bedroom house with a two-level deck and in the backyard a man-made lake to swim in. That would be our geothermal lake to heat and cool the house. So, Eve, thank you for how specific that was. Hopefully, one day you can achieve that dream, and you can keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868. For weeks now, baseball diamonds and soccer fields have sat silent. But starting Monday, that's going to change, Greg. Yeah, community sports is back on as part of Phase 2, and so now clubs and pools are working to get leagues and camps up and running under new guidelines for physical distancing. Jeff Natchuk is the president and CEO of Sport Manitoba, joins us now. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Uh, This has got to be uh, exciting. Uh, Manitobans getting active again. I think people have done a really great job of of keeping moving, uh, in particular on, on bicycles and by foot. But sports wasn't originally on the list of things slated for resumption as part of phase two. Was there some surprise in this announcement or were you ready for this? Well, I think we were expecting that uh, that there would be, as part of phase two, the opportunity for more of the team sports to be able to uh, to get back to, to play. Um, as you're aware, um, back in May, uh, when the, some of the restrictions were first eased, I think golf and tennis play were, uh, were allowed back then but we anticipated that as part of phase two that some of the team sports um could be brought back but i uh, i may put a bit of a cautionary note on this because the sport organizations still need to go through a, an approval process through government um where the proper protocols um are still going to be implemented within their sports things like how are they going to uh, continue social distancing proper sanitization so there is still a a process that sports need to go through to get uh, approval to return to to play and of course it's all in in the name of uh, of public safety and and health well i know there were a lot of questions in my circles jeff just with which sports might be on the list because we weren't sure as parents you know would we have to have a sport that still maintains physical distancing in that sport or would you have to change rules to allow for that social distancing but it sounds like it Everything can be played normally. It's just about the idea of making sure the equipment is cleaned more regularly and that you don't have as many people perhaps in the stands, which then might rely on, say, more volunteers or staff to help out with those kinds of things. And so it might, it, for many of these leagues and these sports, is it a logistics question on how they can maintain all the rules and still continue with the sport? Yeah, it definitely is. It's a, it's a question of logistics and, and being able to maintain um, social distancing from the perspective of um, not just the, uh, the, the six feet of social distancing, but I think it's understood that in some sports from time to time, there will be closer contact. It's trying to minimize and the sports being able to modify 
their rules so they minimize that um, encroachment, if you will, on the um, social distancing guidelines um, that could happen from time to time. So there's definitely a lot of planning that's been going on from a lot of the sport organizations. You asked which are some of the sports um, that can come back. The um, None to this date, as of today anyway, none of the team sports have been approved yet, but we fully anticipate that um, those approvals could happen over the next couple of weeks. So although June 1st um, is when the second phase kicks in, there's still some approval and some planning that needs to occur within those sports to make their return um, safe and uh, and obey by the, um, the social distancing and the sanitization guidelines that are in place. What's the demand for summer activity and summer sports? What have you heard in the last 24 hours? Oh, huge. Uh, it's um, the in, in speaking to some of the sport organizations, and they've been getting calls for, for weeks on uh, when can people get back. I mean, people are very anxious, and you can understand why. Uh, I mean, just the the joy of participating in, in sport and bringing that back um, and getting active and getting outdoors, uh, I think, is something that people are longing to, to do. So there's a, a, an incredible amount of, uh, I think, interest for sure in uh, in sports getting back going and i know that the sport organizations have been putting a lot of time into planning for that return to play jeff uh, loren and i uh, have been commenting that we've sort of enjoyed this break from all the different activities and obligations and and games and practices and shuttling our kids here there and everywhere and of course the economics for a lot of people have changed over the last hundred days or so and uh, sports is not uh, inexpensive for people do you anticipate uh, the economy of time and uh, and the almighty dollar may play a role in how many people can can actually uh, afford and, and decide to get involved in sports over the next little bit. Yeah, I think that's always um, something that I know the sport organizations keep top of mind is keeping trying to keep their activities as affordable as they can. I mean, some of those costs are somewhat out of their control when you look at facility costs and those sorts of things. But um, what we don't know yet is, uh, and I know the sports are looking at, at this as part of their planning, what is the, the potential added cost when you put some of the the, the protocols or the safety measures in place that are added now um, in order to try and prevent the, the spread of the virus. So, I mean, those are some of the things that still need to be determined, but I know we all want to try and keep sport as affordable and accessible to as many people as we can. Jeff Natchuk, President and CEO of Sport Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Jeff, thank you very much for this. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Greg, I gotta, I gotta say, I'm almost unhappy that I discovered uh, from Global News Morning that today is National <laughs> Hamburger Day because I'm looking at the Facebook post. I threw it up on Facebook asking, "Hey, what's your favorite burger joint?" And I am absolutely starving. You know, I mean, we both uh, we mentioned the North Star Drive-in. You had the blue cheese burger. I had sweet dreams are made of cheese. But when you look at this list, uh, somebody saying used to be Mrs. Mike's, but currently George's on St. Mary's near Bishop. Nick's in uh, Headingley is Doris's go-to burger fix. Uh, St. James Burger Co. on Nesson Ferry. You remember when they came to visit us in studio, Greg? Absolutely, I do. Their food is outstanding. A really neat location. It used to be the Red Boot once upon a time, just kind of a like an original sort of hamburger shack, just a place to go and grab a burger, no sit down, just some picnic tables in a parking lot. It's a neat spot. Yep, and other people mentioning Blondie's and Sonia's, uh, Five Guys, and I think somebody even mentioned uh, Wahlburger's in uh, Las Vegas, and uh, that's one of the best burgers I think I've ever had, one of my fondest memories as well of going to Las Vegas, uh, because it was kind of a, you know, even though there's so many people around, it was this nice sort of intimate little spot just sat at the bar. So you can let us know, 204-780-6868. Your favorite burger joint, Loren, do you have a go-to burger joint? Well, it used to be Uncle Tom's in Minnedosa because that's where all conversations come back to, Brett. <laughs> but I don't think it's open still. They were so darn good. Or maybe it's just the memory that's good. It's hard to know no, sometimes. Uncle Tom's is it, was good. Is it the burger or is it just your memory of the burger? Well, let us know at 204-780-6868. Your favorite burger joint. And it doesn't have to be just a burger joint. Like Jeff Courier was telling us the other day, Fusion Grills burgers that they have in their takeout menu right now are apparently spectacular. So let us know your favorite burger joint. 
for the second night in a row. A Minneapolis neighborhood saw protests over the death of a man during an arrest turned violent. WCCO in Minneapolis says tear gas, flames and smoke filled the streets surrounding the Minneapolis Police 3rd Precinct last evening as officers tried to get people to leave the area in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. This is Jeff Wagner of WCCO-TV. For the second day in a row, we are human. a city cried out. <laughs> Along the pavement where George Floyd took some of his last breaths and outside the shattered, barricaded building of the police department involved in his deadly arrest. We're here to make sure that they understand that enough is enough. Mid-afternoon, protesters surrounded the Minneapolis Police Department's 3rd Precinct as officers stood guard from above. Activists like Trey Pollard tried to stop them from vandalizing it further. Period. Hold on. Hey, man. Hey, 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 hey. We're not doing that. Hey, we're not doing that. We're not doing that, bro. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. You can see on social media this morning the aftermath of some of these protests and the damage caused because f- several fires were lit, including inside an AutoZone store by the Precinct building. That's near Lake Street and Hiawatha Avenue. And for those who go to Minneapolis and you ever take the LRT, which connects Mall of America to downtown, you'll actually ride the Hiawatha line. So it, to familiarize folks, this area is not far from the Bank of America Stadium uh, near the I-94. Dozens of people also looted the Target store uh, last night in Minneapolis near the 3rd Precinct. Other neighborhood businesses were damaged as well. WCCO radio host Corey Heppola joins us now. Uh, and, and Corey, just if we could, take us back to what's prompted all this. If folks in Winnipeg aren't familiar with the death of George Floyd, what has video that's gone viral shown about what might have happened during his arrest? Hi, everybody. Uh, it's good to connect with you. Um, unfortunately, under these circumstances, it's not great. Um, George Floyd was a 47-year-old man here in the cities who on Monday night was stopped by police for potential forgery, nonviolent, no weapons. He was um, handcuffed. And then as he has his hands handcuffed behind his back, there's a video now that's gone viral where the officer has his knee on the man's neck and you can hear him yelling, uh, George Floyd yelling, please, I can't breathe. And this thing goes on for, for minutes. It's not, it's not just a split second type of uh, decision. This goes on for minutes. There are people gathering there. It's like, get off him, get off him. And he doesn't. The man uh, ends up dying that, uh, well, right there, as we found out, he, he, he died right there. Um, I think, that in and of itself is obviously horrible, um, but it was, it's been mishandled every single step of the way. MPD, Minneapolis Police, comes out right away and says, well, um, we, had a, uh, we had an incident with police. It was a medical incident. He was taken to the hospital where the guy died. Completely downplaying all the details of what exactly happened. So people are upset because they see the video. They're upset because the initial response was basically wiping this thing under the rug. There are just so many things that are are going on here now because of all of those missteps. But you can see the video in no world, in no world should somebody be arrested for potential forgery, be under control, had be handcuffed. And then an officer, this isn't a a, a, um, a move that is, is is in train. It is not a move that ha- is under any sort of protocol, break protocol. The, the guy, the police officer murdered him. So the police officer who had his knee on uh, Mr. Floyd's neck was fired along with three officers who responded to that call along with this officer. FBI is involved. Uh, the Minnesota Attorney General uh, Office also involved here, Corey. So so what's next? I mean, people obviously uh, saying that these guys getting fired is simply not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. Um, I think that's the first step. People are are anxious because they want these these officers arrested. Um, we've we've talked to with our attorney and and uh, our attorney, the attorney that comes on our show uh, quite a bit. And I mean, these things, you know, typically, especially with police officers, they take time, and we don't see officers arrested or charged very often at all. I think that's a part of the pent up anger here because it is a race ish, uh, race issue. Um, and, I mean, this is the, the fourth major one that we've had since 2015. So I think that there's a lot of pent-up uh, anger as well. And people want to see some justice, and they want to see 
this officer arrested. We've heard the mayor here in Minneapolis call for um, the Hennepin County attorney to arrest this officer quickly. Um, and they haven't done it yet, but, but we know the legal process kind of takes time. So I would imagine they are, they are expediting this thing. And my lawyers, the lawyer on our show yesterday said he imagines it would be less than two weeks because some of these times, some, sometimes it lasts, you know, three to six months, but he said he would imagine it'd be less than two weeks, but I don't know. I don't know how long people can wait. And before we let you go here, Corey, uh, in terms of the, the violence that's erupted in these protests, uh, you know, they're protesting because a man died, but last night another man died. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible, the whole situation. Um, you know, I mean, obviously um, looting and rioting is never an answer, but I think we also have to be, um, you know, violence causing more violence is never an answer, right? I mean, it's just not... We have to understand where these, you know, we have to understand where this community, where this community is coming from, right? Um, this is pent up. This is anger because they've seen this happen over and over and over again. And it's not that this is happening more often. It's just that we now have cell phones to capture it. All right, Corey Heppelot joining us live on 680 CGOB from WCCO Radio in Minneapolis. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Much appreciated, sir. You got it. Thanks. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. It's National Hamburger Day. From where do you most enjoy getting burgers? So far, 50% say, from my own grill. 25% say, a sit-down restaurant. 12.5% 12.5% say fast food joints, and 12.5% say burger stands. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also thrown that poll up on Twitter at 680CJOB, and I'm just pulling up the results for that now because we just posted that about 20 minutes ago, and so far there, uh, similar result. 46% say from my own grill, but 27% say burger stands. So cast your vote, cjob.com, and on Twitter at 680CJOB. We have a, a potpourri of topics we, we want to kind of blitz through here. Uh, one of them has to do with active transportation. And, uh, Loren, what's happening there as it pertains to Councillor Matt Allard? Well, we were bringing this up a few days ago. Um, Greg invited on a guest uh, from the Trails Association about the idea that through this pandemic, we've expanded many of our streets or closed down some of our streets. I think there's at least nine of them that have been closed except for local traffic so that you could have more people out biking and walking and running and doing all the things that are allowed during these socially distanced times. And there's been some positives to that. There's been some negatives depending on and how you look at this equation. But they're extending those active transportation routes, these temporary ones, until July. And St. Boniface Councillor Matt Allard actually wants to see them moved, expanded until at least September so we can get through the summer having more places to bike and rock and run and, and all the rest, more ki- places for our kids to play. And I think that's going to turn into a question, and we chatted about this uh, earlier this week, Greg. It's going to turn into the idea of, well, hang on, let's not make this temporary until July or temporary until September. What's the long-term picture as we examine other cities? Uh, Montreal is expanding its active transportation. Vancouver vowed this week to turn, I think it's about 12% of some of its roads into more pedestrian-friendly corridors. And so what's our permanent look at this kind of stuff, Greg, as we move forward? Yeah, we had the mayor on, I guess it was yesterday, and we posed it as the the idea that some people are going to be looking at July 7th being a a shortened version of these uh, transportation routes for cycling and walking. And he said, well, hold on, hold on. And and you pointed it out, Loren, that actually they extended it to July. But why only July 7th? That's really the beginning of traditional summer and the way these uh, routes have been received. Uh, Matt Allard, as you mentioned also, so is going to be asking this gets extended to Labor Day. I'm seeing on social media, uh, social media a lot of people uh, wanting this to go straight through until October, until Thanksgiving. So uh, there are two sides to this coin, of course, and the mayor also pointed out to us uh, that a big part of the $130 million of infrastructure 
uh, being spent uh, this year in the city of Winnipeg. A big chunk of that is going to be spent on new uh, bike lanes and active transportation. Uh, it's part of every project now. And uh, he alluded to their transportation plan as being award-winning. Well, plan is great, but until it's fully implemented, it's just that, Brett. So uh, I know a lot of people waiting uh, eagerly for those uh, active transportation routes uh, to be rolled out. But, you know, the one that's a thorn in the side to a lot of people in the exchange sort of lives on an island all by itself. It doesn't connect to very much. And so it, it comes across as being uh, less than success, less than successful at times. All right. You mentioned transportation, Greg. The Winnipeg police have a rather unique form of transportation that's caused a bit of a stir on Twitter. Oh, you're not kidding. And, you know, we're not used to people in Winnipeg really getting their uh, their ire up when it comes to terminology. But yesterday, uh, one of our colleagues uh, from another station suggested that the, the Winnipeg Police Service had uh, put out uh, on the streets of Winnipeg uh, the police tank. <laughs> at that situation in the exchange district and the Winnipeg police police service, they answered back quite quickly. They said, Winnipeg police service does not own a tank. A tank is an armored fighting vehicle designed for frontline combat. The vehicle you see is called an armored rescue vehicle, ARV. It is used to ensure the safety of our officers and members of the public whose lives may be at risk. Well, that got retweeted 152 times. It got 320 likes, but the comments that followed suit and some of the pictures uh photoshop was alive and well in this uh in this string of tweets including uh one i don't even know how to describe this combat vehicle that was photoshopped into a picture in, in the exchange district some sort of freaky tank from the future but the consensus on twitter was uh a tank uh, by any other name is still a tank <laughs> okay now loren what did you think of this when you saw the the, the thread on twitter well Technically, the yeah, technically it's not a tank. So I, I appreciate where the police are coming from, and there's always been that perception out there since they purchased this um, armored vehicle about you know the need to have this militarized look, as some will call it, to their police service, and what's the need of having this in a city our size? The police have responded in, in over the past few months about where this vehicle has come into use, how it's been used to protect officers when shots have been fired at them, and all sorts of things. And so th- there's a there's a debate about the technology in the vehicle itself but at the end of the day it isn't a tank however if you're in a street you know one day playing with your kids or you're out shopping in the exchange last night or moving your way through the downtown and suddenly this vehicle pulls up your first reaction you might just call the tank i mean we we label mm-hmm. things all the time that aren't uh, you know they're technical names but it's part of that sort of urban vocabulary you have because that's how it appears to you right and so you might say something just because if you're not used to it and a heavy vehicle like that rolls up and it is armored and the police jump out with their guns and there's their SWAT looking type gear and all the rest you're whoa right like that's what sets you off and so I, I, I see where they're coming from. I mostly had a good laugh because some of the responses were quite funny. I, I for the most part, enjoyed the thread, particularly when this morning when I saw someone this morning, right? So we can all agree we're, we are still calling it a tank, though, right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, boy, I don't know if this did anything to help further the cause because they're right. That's not what it is. It doesn't have a turret no. on the top. There's no guns that shoot oh, from it. Oh, but it does have a turret. It does? It a, well, okay. It, well, it has a gunner's hatch. Okay, so it doesn't but- necessarily have a turret. So you, you, you're right. Pardon me. See, there you go, terminology. But uh, I'm looking at a tweet right here that says, definitely a rescue vehicle. If it was a tank and not a rescue vehicle, this is a, an opinion of uh, someone called at Meat Popsicles on Twitter. <laughs> um, a rescue vehicle wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't have a gunner's hatch. Oh, wait. And then the one above it just made me laugh as well. Uh, I've gone to great lengths in the past to explain when pulled over that I wasn't speeding. Speeding is wrong. I was moving at enhanced velocity that was used to ensure the movement of my person in a timely manner. And I got a ton of likes. So uh, a a very interesting Winnipeg-centric conversation. We don't always get those on Twitter. I I appreciated the the humor in it yesterday as well. And then just one final thought before we check in on virtual folklorama, Loren. We got some interesting numbers this morning from Angus Reid. 
Yeah, and I'd really love to know what our listeners thinks about this because they did a poll on the popularity of all the premiers in Canada. They looked at, you know, approval ratings for premiers and how they've been faring during this pandemic. Now, all leaders are up. They saw their approval approval ratings go up. So nobody dropped during this, and that's no surprise because people have been monitoring the performance of of our leaders and how they've managed this. But what's interesting is that you would think in a province like Manitoba where we have currently 14 active cases, seven deaths, we're, we're moving forward in a wide reopening plan. You'd think the premier's popularity would be high. His was actually the worst approval rating in the country. It sits at, a, I think, 47 48% up four points. So it's not like, again, he didn't go up, but it's dead last. And so I'm curious as to what people think. Is it because you don't like the way we've handled it or you, or you think that something should have been done differently? Or do you maybe even sit there, Greg, and think, you know what? We didn't, we weren't protected from anything like the premiers helped protect people in Ontario or BC or Quebec because our numbers never got bad and therefore nothing much has changed. I'm not sure why the numbers would be that low. Well, I've got a guess, and of course, it's just a guess and a perception on my point. But we spoke to Daryl Bricker when this all started, and we saw saw these massive um, heightening of popularity numbers for the prime minister and all the premiers. And and Daryl seemed to say that the premiers that were most likable, were most relatable, that were uh, seemed the most. Uh, comforting at this time were the ones that were having and seeing these high numbers. Look at Quebec. Nobody has higher COVID numbers than Quebec. Nobody has more deaths, yet there's their premier number two most popular. And then um, Doug Ford, of all people, right? Doug Ford, because I always say it wrong. Is it the right Ford? Yes. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Okay, just want to make sure. Uh, a lot of people don't like him at all or his political decisions, but through this entire crisis, he has been right there in terms of uh, the most popular premiers in the country. And so here in Manitoba, of course, there have been some very controversial decisions. One was the $200 checks out to all seniors, uh, the tax credit, as it's being called, and the letter that accompanied it, and also the layoffs that we've seen at Crown Corporations, uh, the, the, the lingering uh, layoffs at Manitoba Hydro and some of the other changes within government operations that have affected jobs. Uh, uh, EAs were laid off and and I don't think that that decision has been tremendously popular with a majority of Manitobans and I would suspect that it's not the COVID response that's driving the numbers uh, for the Premier here in our province but it's the reaction and the feeling that people have about the other actions that have been taken over the last uh, nine days or so. Mackling McGarry McNabb, it was meant to be a one-time celebration of the cultures which make Manitoba the incredible place it is. And 50 years later, Folklorama is the largest and longest-running multicultural festival of its kind in the world. Schools, community clubs, arenas, and cultural centers, tens of thousands of people for a two-week-long celebration of food, music, and culture, Greg. Yeah, and of course, this year, gathering en masse for any reason this, this summer is going to be a moving target. With that in mind, Folklorama have uh, celebrated, as we have celebrated it over the last 49 years, will not take place. However, that doesn't mean Folklorama isn't happening this year. Teresa Contronaro is uh, Executive Director of Folklorama, and she joins us now on The Start. Good morning, Teresa. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay. So uh, first of all, happy 50th to Folklorama. Uh, Yes, thank you. Yeah, obviously it was supposed to be a little bit of a different celebration this year as the Blue Bombers are celebrating 90 years. We we know that they're they're altering those plans and you're shifting gears as well. Before we get into what you're doing, remind us just how large this event is. Well, um, in uh, 2019, which was our 50th anniversary, we had uh, 45 pavilions participating and uh, we saw a record number of guest visits. Uh, 455,000 over the span of the 14 days and uh, really brings all of our communities together. Over 20,000 volunteers from the community participate on an annual basis. It brings so many people together and in such a fun way, food and dining and dancing, but also so much social interacting in close spaces. And that's part of the problem in the equation here. When you look at an event like yours in these COVID times, it, it part of you had to be thinking there has to be a way we can make this work 
And the other part would be like, that's just would, wouldn't be what the festival is about if we do it any other way. So how did you come up with this modification and what are you doing? Well, you know what? And it's so, it's so true. Uh, I mean, as, as this was all coming down um, the pipe, we thought, you know, this is, this isn't going to work. You know, our, our model is premised on, like you said, people coming together and, and moving from place to place. Uh, so after canceling, we had a lot of uh, support from the community and it, it truly inspired us uh, to put our heads together and uh, we're launching launching four new programs uh, today, uh, Phil Clarma at home, at work, at school, and at play, uh, where you can actually take all the elements that you really enjoy from the festival, the food, the entertainment, and we package them up and deliver them to your door. Oh, really? So, because that, that's what I was thinking. Loren mentioned the food, and I'm thinking, yeah, if no folklorama means you can't try the different food. But you're, are you telling me that I can still get my hands on folklorama food? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, uh, you pick the theme, uh, the culture that you're interested in having, and we'll put it together for you based on um, any budget. We, we work with any budget. And um, you can have a folklorama party in your backyard or driveway. Um, we definitely cater the experience to uh, whatever you want to see. That sounds really exciting and innovative. And so what about school programs? How are you going to engage uh, the younger kids? Well, when schools do reopen again um, in the fall, uh, you know, we have all the capability to really to bring our members into the community and do a customized cultural experience that we can still deliver safely, uh, but we'll also meet uh, the Manitoba education curriculum. Um, And it's something that's um, you know, unlike other programming, um, because we have so many members who have lived those experiences and um, have artifacts and crafts that they can share that are truly authentic. Um, and it'll be an opportunity to do it in a manner that's not uh, online, because although that has served us really well, um, there's really nothing like that personal interaction in a safe way. So you're not talking about this being a summer event. This is extending folklorama into the school year in a pretty unique way. So that would mean maybe people going into a classroom and talking about their cultural culture or language or background or is that the kind of stuff you mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, it will be a ongoing thing. So year round. Teresa Catronio, Executive Director of Folklorama, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And right now, we're doing, we always do a small town salute Thursdays at 7.37. But we're doing a bonus small town salute today because something happened over the weekend, as we all know by now. Adam Big Hill of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers went out to Rosenort and pulled 32,000 pounds of equipment, of machinery. He pulled a dump truck with a trailer with two tractors on it. This was in response to Lucky Whitehead pulling a semi-trailer. So we thought, hey, let's reach out to the farm. And Harley Siemens is co-owner of Siemens Farms in Rosenord and joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Harley, good morning to you, sir. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for joining us. So I guess the first question is, how do you know... Adam Big Hill. Yeah, so that's actually a really funny story. Uh, last year, I was following him and a couple of the other bomber guys on Instagram, and I saw that eggs are a staple in his uh, diet. So I thought, hey, I should send him a text and see that if he would actually want to come down to my farm and see where he can get eggs. So I sent him a message uh, via Instagram, and to my surprise, he responded and said, yeah, I'd love to come down. So he came down, and ever since, I've supplied him with eggs, and our families have grown close together, and we became really good friends. Harley, that's one of the things I love most about Manitoba, and also one of the things I think I've always loved most about the Canadian Football League is how accessible the players are and and how involved they are in the community and how you can become friends with somebody who, you know, could quite potentially be your, your sports idol. Yeah, exactly. And I've actually gotten into contact with a couple of other guys. And it's really good to have those people support the industry as well, to teach them about farming, where their food comes from, and all those different things, so that they can relay those messages to a broader band of people than, of course, I would know. 
So given that he, he reached out, you reached out to him about the eggs and he was interested in that. And then you became friends and you know, you know him. Were you surprised? Like, how does it work when he phones up and says, like, I'd like to pull some trucks and other things? Like, how does that conversation start? <laughs> so what actually happened was, if you recall, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, he had a video of him pushing a truck because all of the gyms and stuff were closed. And it just happened to be that day I was working on my tandem dump truck. And I sent him a picture. I said, what is, wouldn't it be cool if you had pulled this? And we said, yeah, that'd be cool. So we kind of joked around about it for a while. And then little did we know, we saw Lucky Whitehead pull it. And people were starting to text him and say uh, on his comments, oh, it's in your court now, Adam, you guys got to do something. And then he said, we got something figured out. So we said, okay, we got to put this plan into action and figure it out on Saturday. And got a couple of people out and put a trailer on with some equipment. And we had some fun with it. So the the when when you started to put the equipment together for him to pull for one man one human being, uh, did you was there a moment where you thought, come on, how is he? He's not going to be able to do this. Well, I I didn't think he was going to be able to pull the truck, let alone because the truck itself has the big gravel box on there, which weighs quite a bit. So he said, well, we'll start off easy. So we just start off just with the truck. He said, nah, that was way too easy. So we put the trailer. The one piece of equipment, we're like, oh, okay, that's pretty tough. There's no way. Sure enough, he pulled it. We're like, let's do more. So we found some more equipment we had on the site. We loaded it up as much as we could on the trailer. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to pull it. Because if you look at the video, the back tire of that trailer is riding pretty hard. And sure enough, he pulled the thing. And it was quite the sight to see. Everybody around town was coming around looking at it. We're all just shocked. So, Harley, we've seen a lot of Manitoba businesses pivot uh, during the COVID-19. Are we going to see strongman competitions uh, being hosted out at uh, Siemens Farms in Rosenart henceforth? Hey, I have no problem. If more guys want to come out, i got some more equipment that we can pull. We could make a good game of it. No problem here. <laughs> you could make a game of it, but now you have to show that you can do it too. Was there any thoughts of that, Harley, of saying, well, this doesn't look that hard. Maybe I should give this a go. I tried pulling it with just the truck. I barely got that thing to budge. It's incredible the amount of sheer strength that that guy has. It is unbelievable. I'd, I'd be scared if I was any quarterback in the Canadian Football League if I see him lining up. So, Ro- Rosenort, Manitoba, I'm just looking at a map here, 49 minutes from the center of Winnipeg, a little south-southwest. How does one, first of all, how do you get to Rosenort? And then second, uh, what do you like about Rosenort? So to get to Rosenort is fairly easy. Just go down Highway 75. We are the turn off just before the town of Morris, and we're a couple miles in. We're a manufacturing town. We've got a lot of different manufacturers. A lot of people commute from the city every day to come to manufacturers. And, yeah, I love, I love the small-town feel. I grew up, grew up here. Uh, our farm is here, of course. Um, it's nice and close to Winnipeg, so I did go to university at U of M. Uh, quick, uh, short commute there. So we really like the small town life, but still get the perks of living close to a big city. Harley, a lot of small towns are having a, a difficulty in keeping their young people there and convincing them that it's a, a place to stay and to live and to grow their own families. Yet in, in south, southern Manitoba, in your part of the world, it seems to be almost a, a boom going on. Yeah, I think what's happening with a lot of uh, people, after they're done going to school and stuff like that, they want to sell down, have their family, and they kind of want to go back to their roots, right? Because a lot of people started in these small towns, and they came from a farming community, and they kind of want to go back and give their kids that opportunity to grow up on the farm, uh, to grow up in rural communities, get that rural life, and then they will maybe start that trend, for sure. I think I'm going to point out one other reason, uh I don't know if you know this, Harley, but we've been talking today about the burger and uh, National Burger Day. And I mentioned that one of my favorite things is a rink burger. And the actual burger I was thinking of was consumed at the Rosenort Arena. I think it was last winter with my kids. And it was fantastic because I think everyone just comes together in in small towns and puts together food and meals and volunteers and all the rest. And it's just it can make for a really nice atmosphere. Do you have a favorite eating joint in Rosenort? Yeah, in Rosenart, it's actually kind of a tradition when a lot of the Bomber players come out and they want to go for lunch, and especially Big House, his favorite place he comes out just for this is called the Old Farmhouse. And they kind of do a great lunch menu and stuff like that, so we love bringing people out there. They have amazing burgers, 
me and Big Hill, we love their pulled pork sandwich, and it's a great place to go eat out. What's it like owning a business with your dad? <laughs> I don't know if he's listening right now, so I should be very careful <laughs> what I say. But <laughs> no, it's it's great. Uh, of course, we don't always see eye to eye on things, but it's you can't really get much better working with family. I live a couple hundred feet away from the barn, so I wake up in the morning, get to see both my little girls, see my wife, and go off to work, see them at lunchtime. And yeah, being in the family business is fairly important to me. I want to keep that. Uh, really those roots alive and keep that legacy going and really want to show Manitobans where they get their food from and provide them a safe, healthy food as well. You obviously work really hard, but you like to play hard as well. How much are you missing the Blue Bombers, Harley? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a sore subject. Uh, just the other day, I was throwing the football around and said, oh, I wish I could be at the stadium, and especially because they're supposed to have the game there on Sunday, like Big Hill said, we're season ticket holders. A little bit tough, but I understand the precautions that need to be taken just gives us a little bit more something to look forward to when we're able to get back. Well, Harley Siemens, co-owner of Siemens Farms in Rosenort. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us this morning, man. This has been fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, and I hope you guys have a great rest of the day, even though it is not very nice outside. No, it's uh, it's not very nice, but that's not going to stop you from getting to work, is it, Harley? No, but I'm actually in one of the equipments that Big Hill is pulling, uh, moving some dirt around today. So at least I got nice uh, warm heat in the cab. Okay. All right. Arlie Siemens <laughs> joining us live on 680 CJOB. Again, Siemens Farms in Rose North. And I'm just pulling up their website now. That is uh, SiemensFarms.ca, Egg Farm. And you can learn more about their. Oh, as you go there, there's a. A uh, little video of uh, a bunch of chickens running around providing fresh, grade A, local, high-quality, free-run eggs. 946. Mm. I, uh, you know what uh, goes good in a burger, Loren, is a fried egg. You know, I've never done that. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, there's something about it I don't get. Like, I have an egg pretty much every single day. I love an egg. I love a burger. I don't know why I haven't put them together. Yeah, and it's it's good too when it's runny. I mean, it's it ends up being super messy, but mm-hmm. it just seems to add uh, just a little bit of extra kick, and I think the texture as well just works really nice with the burger. So perhaps on National Hamburger Day, you should try a burger with, with an egg on it. Mackling, have you ever done that? Just once, and I think it was in Las Vegas, and I, I think it turned into a knife and fork expedition, but uh, tasted just as just as good nonetheless. Yeah, eating with your hands can be perilous. You get the yolk all over your hands, but it doesn't mean I'm any less hungry thinking about it. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.